This is the Blood Red podcast from the Liverpool Echo, giving you the inside track on all the big talking points from Anfield. Hello, it's Paul Wheelock and welcome to the Morning Bulletin podcast where we round up all the big headlines concerning Liverpool FC with Champions League games to review and preview and a lot else going on besides. It's our first podcast in a little while, but you've definitely got a good run of us over the next two weeks at least. And I say us because I'm joined as ever by my blood red colleague, Matt Addison. Good morning, Matt. Morning, mate. Yeah, it's a busy time, isn't it? It's, it's one of those... Well, we seem to, to have a game every other day at the moment, or certainly press conferences and, and all sorts of things to cover. But it's good that it's uh, a busy time, but I suppose we've got a little bit of a, a lull whilst we have the, the international break again, which I'm sure some people won't be particularly happy with, but at least we will have this podcast back. We will indeed, definitely over the international break, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday for those two weeks. But uh, as we say, we've not been able to do it regularly, just given the huge volume of games. This week's been no difference. Obviously, on Tuesday night, Liverpool produced arguably the performance of the season to win 5-0 at Atalanta in the Champions League. But what could be a really successful week began last Saturday with a 2-1 win over West Ham United. And I know we covered it really in depth on Monday's Blood Red podcast, Matt, that, that you hosted. And one of the big talking points was uh, the penalty that Mohamed Salah won and scored. He, he received a lot of unjust criticism in my in my book for, for winning the penalty. Uh, and for us, the narrative had, had moved on. You know, we've obviously had that great win against Atalanta in the Champions League, as I mentioned then. And then over the next few days, we're going to be looking ahead to the huge Premier League match at Manchester City. But good old uh, Jose Mourinho, the Tottenham Hotspur manager, has brought the conversation about Salah a little bit back into conversation, hasn't he, Matt? Albeit subtly. Yeah, I mean, to be fair to him, uh, obviously Tottenham playing in the, the Europa League on, on a Thursday night, he was asked the question. He had to, to sort of bring it back up again, didn't he? So, yeah, it, it, it's one of those where I think Jose was always going to try and have a dig. He's taken the first possible opportunity to, to do that. Obviously, the conversation, as we said, as you said on the, the Blood Red podcast on Monday, we spoke about how you know, the, the sort of conversation around Harry Kane winning penalties uh, is a bit different, say, to, to Mohamed Salah or Sadio Mane or, or whoever it might be. Obviously, Salah this weekend was the one who went down under that challenge from Arthur Masuaku. Um, yeah, again, for me, it, it's a penalty. Uh, there is contact, but you know, Salah is, has sort of won it. He's sort of bought the penalty, but it is... It is a penalty because there is contact. It's certainly not a dive. And then, of course, we, we saw the, the Harry Kane one uh, against Brighton. Adam Lallana, of course, incidentally, the, the man who, who gave away that penalty. Um, again, it, it's conversation around, is that a dive? Is it cheating? Um, well, it's certainly not a dive. But, you know, has Harry Kane been clever? Has Mohamed Salah done the similar sort of thing? And I suppose it, it's just that little bit of a, a row, really, between the way that maybe fans talk about certain English players compared to the other players and certain Tottenham players compared to Liverpool players. But yeah, Jose Mourinho having his say and essentially throwing it back the other way and, and saying rather than talking about Harry Kane being clever, the press and, and the fans and media and whoever's you know, having this conversation should be talking about Manchester United, Manchester City, Chelsea and Liverpool. So it's interesting that he picks out those four teams. I think certainly... Manchester United, you could say, uh, certainly you could have a conversation about them being clever. They've won more penalties than any other team, I would have thought, <laughs> yeah. in the Premier League in, in recent times. Certainly, you know, Bruno Fernandes and, and Martial and you know, players like that are very, very clever. And I'm not saying you know that the vast majority of those penalties very much were penalties, but I think there, there was some clever play involved in there as well, which 
you know, it is a fair point from, from Jose Mourinho, that one. But uh, yeah, I think if you're talking about Manchester United, you're talking about Kane in, in that sort of way, then fair enough. But OK, let's let's talk about Mohamed Salah in, in a similar sort of vein. So yeah, Jose Mourinho obviously is going to rush to the defence of, of his own player. He's obviously not going to say that, that Harry Kane was was cheating or or was you know put himself in a position where he was cleverly winning a penalty. I suppose Jose is he's almost got to, to say what he said, but it, at the same time it is it's very much typical. Uh, Jose Mourinho, everyone is against us. It's not all that everyone else is in the wrong, which I think is exactly the opposite of, of the conversation that we were trying to have in, in terms of the penalties, which is realistically. Possibly a few years ago, that wouldn't have been a penalty for Salah. But in the modern game, everyone does it. There was contact, it wasn't a dive, and, and therefore we should just move on and draw a line under it, really. Yeah, well said. Typical Jose, wasn't it? No doubt about it. Uh, it was a big day yesterday for former Liverpool defender Mamadou Sacco uh, as he won substantial damages over false claims he took performance-enhancing drugs. You may remember this story. Obviously, he's now with Crystal Palace. He was briefly suspended in 2016 after testing positive for a fat-burning substance. Uh, the test followed one of those Europa League games against Manchester United in March of that year. We all know that Liverpool went on to reach that season's Europa League final against Sevilla uh, and Sacco was banned for that match and, and the controversy cost him his place in France's Euro, 20, Euro 2016 squad as well. Uh, as you may well remember rightly, that later that summer he was ultimately cleared by UEFA but he did sue the World Anti-Doping Agency for defamation of character. They made a couple of statements about him saying that he was in the wrong and, and, and that basically resulted in yesterday's verdict and that that's the headline, Matt. But you also had some things to say, and you, you've got to feel a bit of sympathy for Sacco here, haven't you? Because it must have hurt his career, not least maybe maybe even at Liverpool. Yeah, I think that's it, isn't it? You you do have to feel sorry for him. You felt sorry for him really as soon as UEFA made that decision. They said, didn't they, at the time that he'd essentially been cleared when they found that the substance that he had been you know tested positive for shouldn't have been on the banned list and. It was an error, really, on, on their part to, to take him out of that. I mean, you know, long-term, looking at, at his Liverpool career, obviously Liverpool have, have moved on now. You can see, you know, in his performances for, for Crystal Palace and that sort of thing, Liverpool are, are well beyond a defender of his quality. But at the time, it was, you know, a huge blow. Who knows how would have how the Europa League final might have, have panned out if he was in it. Could Liverpool have won it? I think there's certainly... Uh, an argument to, to say that that was the case when you think about some of the defending that, that did take place in that final. Liverpool, of course, ended up losing too severe. We will never know if that could have been different or, or would have been different if Sacco had been there or not. But yeah, I mean, for, for him to, to miss out in a European final, I mean, you don't get the opportunity to, to play in those sorts of matches very often, even more so. You don't get the, the opportunity to be in a national team squad. He would have been in the, the French squad for that Euro 2016 tournament. It was a home tournament. It was in France, wasn't it, that one? So it, it's a, a massive shame, really, for him. Uh, I think the, the statement that he came out with is very gracious, um, very much sort of accepting uh, the apology, if you like, and, and sort of hoping, really, to, to draw a line under it himself and move on. He said he always knew that he hadn't done anything wrong The people who were were important to him, his family and people around him and, you know, the teammates that he had at the time and that sort of thing. They were all, you know, very much on his side and, and with him. But I suppose you can never, you know, 
turn back time. You can never go back and, and sort of replay those periods that, that he was missing for. So it, it's a difficult one, isn't it? He's obviously won his case. Uh, he's come out, you know, in terms of um, sort of morally or, or whatever you want to call it. He's sort of cleared himself. He's, you know, he says himself, it's the, the worst thing that you can accuse a sportsman of is essentially cheating and, and using substances that he shouldn't have been able to use. But as much as, you know, those sort of allegations are, are long gone now, the apology is, is nice. But as I say, you can't turn back time. You can't go back and, and give him what would have been a, a really crucial part of, of his career. As I say, I don't think he would have lasted at Liverpool long term because you look at, at Van Dijk, you look at... The, the way that Joe Gomez has progressed in the last four years and things like that. Liverpool are, are well, well beyond him. But at the same time, that there will always be, I think, a, a little bit of a what-if in the back of his mind because I'm sure he would have backed him himself to, to sort of stay at, at Liverpool longer and for it to have worked out differently, potentially, even if, you know, looking back in hindsight, that, that might not necessarily have been the case. So a good day for Mamadou Sacco and a good day for one of his former Liverpool centre-back partners uh, who helped add to the woes of Oli Gunnar Solskjaer and Manchester United, Matt. Yeah, very much so. It was a bizarre performance from Manchester United yesterday. Martin Skirtle, it was, who was playing in a, in Istanbul uh, for their opponents. Very, very good performance by all accounts. It wasn't a game that I watched, actually, but uh, I have seen a couple of the goals that, that United conceded, and they are absolutely bizarre. <laughs> and the Denver, Denver Bar, Bar one particularly, wasn't one it? Of them. Yeah, that, that is the one that you just, you wonder how on earth that had happened. It, it's one of those days that happens in second half stoppage time, you can probably understand it, but for him, essentially for, for anyone who hasn't seen it, he, he was able to run with the ball from the halfway line with nobody you know, within about 20 metres of him. And this was, what, 13, 14 minutes into the game? On a counter-attack, it was a, a very, very strange piece of defending for United. The second goal wasn't defended much better either. So, yeah, United sort of in turmoil. They've obviously beaten PSG. They beat Leipzig 5-0 and then ended up losing 2-1 uh, against Istanbul, Basak here. So, yeah, it's a kind of typical, really, of, of Solskjaer's time at, at Manchester United. I think those... Three games in a nutshell, really beating you know the the big teams, the teams that you can sort of um, well very much play on the counter attack against, take your chances, play in that you know particular style that he seems to have got United playing in. But you know, long term, you, you've just got to be able to get over the line in, in other matches as well. So yeah, I find it very very bizarre that he is still Manchester United boss when you see someone like Maurizio Pochettino, who yeah, I thought was excellent true. on on Monday Night Football. It's free, he's available. Uh, I don't understand really why they don't go and get him. But yeah, anyway, that is uh, a decision for them to make in uh, in terms of the report. Yeah, Martin Skirtle was an excellent performance and I'm sure that won't have uh, escaped uh, his attention and, and Liverpool fans' attention that he did that against Manchester United. Yeah, and we were mentioning before we press record on this conversation, he could have actually been playing for another of Liverpool's Champions League opponents, couldn't he? Yeah, and um, something I I only found out reading about it uh, this morning. He uh, played for Atalanta for, for three weeks or so in, uh, well, around twelve or, or so months ago in August 2019, I think it was. Um, yeah, he he could very easily have have played there. It didn't work out for him there. Ended up moving over to Turkey. But yeah, he could easily have been lining up for for Atalanta against Liverpool this weekend. Sort of 
you know, if uh, the sliding doors moment hadn't uh, quite happened in the way it did. But yeah, it was a slightly strange line in that story, but an interesting one nonetheless. The Blood Red Podcast from the Liverpool Echo. Good to see Skirtalan Sacco doing well after leaving Liverpool uh, to Liverpool's current centre back situation. Obviously, Virgil Van Dijk sadly is sidelined for for the long term. Fabinho, the standing centre back, short term. But there is that speculation that's not going to go away, is it, Matt? Until January, that Jurgen Klopp may look to bolster his defence once the transfer window opens again. Uh, and that's despite the very assured performances of youngsters uh, Reese Williams and uh, Nathaniel Phillips. Uh, and we'll, we're going to finish the kind of podcast on free stories, bit of transfer speculation as we always like, always like to do on this podcast. The first one is, uh, according to Team Talk via Build in Germany, that Liverpool are interested in a Schalke centre-back, but it's maybe not the one uh, we've talked about before, Matt. Yeah, no, I mean, when you, you see the headline, you see Schalke defender, you assume it's another link with Ozan Kabak, who we understand that uh, the echo that he is not one that, that Liverpool are interested in. But yeah, Bill suggesting that Liverpool are, are in regular contact with his teammate, uh, teammate I should say, Malik Theor is how I'm going to pronounce it. T H I A W. Any advances on that? Do write in and tell us. <laughs> I have no idea how to pronounce that. But, yeah, uh, the, the suggestion essentially is that Ozan Kabak has signed a new deal. There's no release clause in that contract, um, so maybe it's easier or cheaper for Liverpool to to go and get uh, his teammate who has actually been compared to, to Joel Matip, apparently. So if he's anything like Matip, but with a, a better injury record, I suppose that wouldn't be a bad thing. Uh, I can't say I've ever seen him, heard of him or, or seen anything of him. Um, but yeah, it, it's one of those. I think we're going to get probably 10, 20 different names between now and January because you know, obviously Nat Phillips has done a, a good job in the Premier League. Reese Williams, I thought, was absolutely superb on uh, Tuesday night in the, the Champions League but I think Liverpool probably needed to, to get a fourth choice uh, last summer they didn't do that obviously because they weren't expecting to get so many injuries in, in one place but I think they probably didn't do it last summer with an eye on potentially doing it next summer instead obviously we know that they've looked at players like Ben White uh, they've ex- extensively scouted him last season wanted to, to sort of check him out in the Premier League this season with Brighton potentially they could go back for, for him I think at some point but yeah I think that the plan for Liverpool short term has probably changed but long term I think they will have their targets uh, I think it, it probably makes sense to accelerate the, the plans if they were going to go and, and get a centre-back next summer maybe you do that in January instead but I suppose that the performances of Williams um, and Phillips suggest that Liverpool can if they really wanted to wait until the, the summer if they wanted to but if the price is right in January I wouldn't be massively surprised if, if they ended up doing that I mean just quickly for, for me I think Diot Ukamakano at Leipzig would be mm-hmm. the ideal one I think short term he would be um, a really good option long term as well of course he's a year or, or two younger than Joe Gomez uh, very much seen as sort of the, the next big thing in, in that sort of area has a, a release clause I believe next summer so potentially that is a deal that wouldn't um, be too difficult to, to do but I mean, he, he, to be fair he was absolutely atrocious against uh, PSG last night the first half in particular um, Moise Kane uh, obviously on loan from Everton at, at PSG ran him ragged, no Neymar, no Mbappe and, and still he, he really did struggle but you know, from, from what I've seen of him more generally that was very much an anomaly so 
yeah, as I say, there's going to be a lot of names on the shortlist, I think, for, for Liverpool. A lot of names are going to get linked. A lot of them probably will be dismissed. I think there'll be a fair few agents doing a bit of work to try and get their players linked with Liverpool because it is an obvious link to, to do. But yeah, for me, um, I don't think it'd be Ozan Kabak. I don't think potentially it would be Malik Theor. But whoever it is, whether it's White, whether it's Upamakano, whether it's someone else, I do think it's a position that makes sense for Liverpool to strengthen. Possibly in January, certainly next summer. Well, we'll stay with this uh, talking point and we'll stay with Bill for, for our final two pieces of transfer gossip because another defender who Liverpool have been linked with is uh, David Alaba. You know, probably like Gini Wijnaldum next summer, you're talking great free transfers. He's going to be one of them, isn't he? You know, uh, very vastly experienced, brilliant footballer, obviously been linked with Real Madrid, Barcelona, and probably all the top clubs in Europe, to be honest. But uh, Liverpool, one of those who've been thrown in a hat and uh, the German tabloid Bill do have an update on his situation. Yeah, they've spoken to, to Karl-Heinz Rummenigge, who is Bayern Munich's chief executive, I think. It's his title. And yeah, he's uh, suggested that Bayern are going round in circles and they, they have been for months with David Alaba's uh, new contract. They want him to stay. Uh, they have offered him a new deal, which is, is fairly lucrative by the looks of it compared to uh, the deal that he is on and, and compared to, to some of the other top players at Bayern Munich. But they also say that you know, they're not going to wait and, and hang around forever. They want an answer one way or the other. Either he takes the offer that is on the table or he decides to leave and, and they can start to plan really for the next season and, and who they may need to, to get in to replace him. So I suppose all of the, the cards that are with David Alaba, he can do what he wants. He's inside the last year of his contract. Um, similar in some regards, as you say, to, to Genie Wijnaldum. The difference is that we don't think that Gino Wijnaldum has had actual proper talks for, for some time with Liverpool over a new deal. So at least for, for David Alaba, there is a sort of offer on the table. There is a, a discussion that is taking place. And, you know, whoever uh, wants to sign him can sort of have those discussions. You can sign him on a, a pre-contract agreement in the same way that you know, teams abroad can do the same for Gino Wijnaldum from, from January. So it would be a, an interesting one, I think, for Liverpool to keep an eye on. Lots of, of reports linking Alaba with Real Madrid and, and, Bayern Munich, and, and, and Barcelona, sorry. But uh, the sort of suggestion is that neither of those two clubs um, are convinced that they have the finances to, to do that deal um, at this moment in time, obviously. Both of, of the Spanish clubs been you know, very much hit by coronavirus uh, and that sort of thing. So I think they will potentially have you know, bigger priorities than David Alaba next summer. Will that leave the door open for, for someone like Liverpool? Manchester City, of course, have been linked as well. Guardiola, a big fan of Alaba. It's certainly one to watch out for. I do think it, it does make sense. It would be you know, huge wages, but when you think that, that Liverpool do need a sort of fourth option as a centre-back, he could be a, a rotation player in there. He can also play at left-back. He can play in midfield, which would be very, very handy if Gino Wijnaldum was to leave, if you could have someone like Alaba to be to put into the mixture there as well and sort of promote from within as well. You could give you know, Genie Wijnaldum, um, uh, Curtis Jones rather, a, a bigger role uh, in Genie Wijnaldum's absence, have Alaba to, to sort of rotate between the three positions that he can play in. So I do think it, it would make sense for Liverpool to explore it. I'm sure it's a, a player that they are interested in. And I suppose, you know, if you'd have asked you know, a few months before Thiago 
Alcantara signed for Liverpool, would he be a player that you could see Liverpool, you know, targeting? Would he be the, the profile? You probably would have said no, but mm-hmm. the more you thought about that, the more it, it did make sense. And potentially David Alaba could be a similar one because he is very much a world class player. So yeah, one to, to keep an eye on, I think. So our final story, uh, but before we we talk about it, you probably, or hopefully you remember listeners, that uh, Matt spoke exclusively to the Red Bull Salzburg manager, Jesse Marsh, earlier this year for for a podcast that we did. And uh, in it, Marsh spoke about a number of things, including his former striker, Erling Haaland. Uh, and he was saying that it'd be an incredible fit for Liverpool. We pushed the video out again on uh, social media this this week, which we'll, we'll, why we'll come to in a second. But obviously everyone knows that Haaland left Salzburg to join Borussia Dortmund. He's continued to go from strength to strength another two goals yet another two goals in the Champions League last night and and the reason why we pushed that video out again uh, was because uh, earlier this week Salzburg sporting di- director Christoph Freund made the prediction that Haaland would land uh, in, in inverted quotes at Liverpool in, in the future uh, yeah I'm pretty sure I speak for, for most Liverpool fans when I say I'm sure they would love Haaland to be in the red of Liverpool at some point in, in the future but a uh, build again are claiming that another European superpower keeping an eye on on an interesting contract situation Matt yeah I mean first and foremost what a player I yeah, think it's incredible. 14 goals in 11 Champions League games which is the quickest anyone has ever got to that mark I think it, it took Cristiano Ronaldo something about 52 or something like that so you know, he, he's absolutely off to a flyer. He's, he's an unbelievable player. Seems to, to just score goals from, from absolutely nothing. Um, but yeah, the, the story um, builds to the, suggesting that, that Borussia Dortmund uh, are saying that there is no clause in place for him to, to leave in his Borussia Dortmund contract in 2021. So any teams that, that wanted to buy him next summer, of course, that they could do that. Similar to, to Jaden Sancho, though they would have to, to sort of meet whatever asking price Borussia Dortmund uh, put on the table. Um, so you'd imagine it would be very, very high, at, at least that sort of, what was it, 110 million euros, I think, that, that they wanted for Jaden Sancho this summer. You'd imagine it would be a similar sort of amount in, in 2021, uh, should any team be interested in, in Erling Haaland. So, yeah, it, it would be um, a massive, massive deal. Don't think that necessarily would be um, a bad one for, for any team, even at that price. To be honest, because when you think of you know, the the age that he is, the the age that the sort of uh, experience he has, that the Champions League goals, he's proven now that he can do it at the highest level. Uh, I still think that would be a, a really excellent uh, price, really, to, to go and get him for. But next summer, uh, or the, the summer after next summer, I should say, in 2022, the suggestion is. Uh, that the release clause would come down to, to 75 million euros. So I think by that point, you could imagine that Real Madrid, uh, their finances may well be very different at, at that point in time compared to this. I'm sure Bayern Munich uh, are very keen, the story suggesting in build that they have been watching him for, for three years or, or so. They weren't prepared to, to pay him what Borussia Dortmund were prepared to pay him when he came in from Salzburg. But yeah, as the, the story suggests, it would be pretty much the ideal Robert Lewandowski replacement in 2022. Lewandowski, I think, would be 34. If they could get someone like Erling Haaland in for 75 million, I think that would be you know, the, the absolute ideal replacement. It does very much, to me, seem like the next Lewandowski, and he's you know, probably not too far off that level already, to be honest. So imagine what he could be like in, in a couple of years' time. But I'm sure if... Uh, 
the release clause is 75 million. I'm sure pretty much every team yeah. in the world who can afford that would be interested. Liverpool, you know, no exception to that. Again, you'd look at, at what they will have to do in a couple of years' time with you don't want this to turn into a sort of Roberto Firmino conversation again. There's been you know, enough of those this week. But you know, going forward, Liverpool at some point are going to have to find replacements for, for their front three. £75 million for pretty much a guaranteed goal scorer in Erling Haaland, I think, would be one that certainly could make sense. So, yeah, one to watch for, for Liverpool, I think. But they certainly won't be the only ones. Real Madrid and, and Bayern Munich, at the very least, uh, will also be in the queue. And Manchester United as well. I don't think Solskjaer will be there at the, t- at the time. Certainly, <laughs> that, that Norwegian link could be could be an interesting one. But uh, yeah, I suppose whoever is Manchester United's manager in 2022, there's a good chance that, that they'll be in the conversation as well. Yeah. Provided, of course, they're back in the Champions League. Yeah, it's great that Liverpool are in this conversation now when you, you talk about players like Mbappe bringing Thiago here in Ireland, obviously, as well. And why not? Why not? Uh, yeah, thanks very much, Matt. Really interesting. Great to have you back on the podcast. And I believe you're back this afternoon, aren't you? Uh, hosting the, the Liverpool.com podcast. Yeah, certainly. Am. It's the, the first time I'll have hosted that. I've been on it a couple of times recently. But yeah, Dan Morgan away this week. So uh, it'll be myself, uh, Joel Rabinovitz, Ollie Connolly and Kai Delaney as well stepping out from behind the camera to have a conversation about Liverpool and look ahead really primarily to, to Manchester City and I mentioned that the Roberto Firmino conversation I'm sure we will uh, have a little bit of a chat about him and, and Diogo Jota as well Yeah really really looking forward to that it should be out about 4pm UK time tomorrow uh, today that's Thursday afternoon and then tomorrow uh, we'll have Jurgen Klopp's pre-match press conference on the Blood Red channel plus obviously the main Blood Red show as always on a Friday afternoon but until then thanks very much for listening to this podcast and bye for now You've been listening to the Blood Red podcast from the Liverpool Echo